Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. Real treat for you, returning to the show. It's been, I think, since maybe the last live in-person WonderCon in 2019, since we've had writer Joshua Williamson on the show. Josh, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it has been a long time. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to to talk and hang out, talk about comics. You've been so busy. I mean, we've connected, you know, in that time. We talked about having you come on, but you're you're so busy. Um, And it's such a... It's such a weird transition, right? Because when 5G was going to happen, mm-hmm. if I remember you correctly, you were thinking that you weren't going to have any work at DC or much of any, and you were kind of, you know, thinking you were going to head in a different direction. Things changed, yep. and all of a sudden, you became kind of the linchpin. Talk us through that, because I remember you mentioned it when it first yeah. happened. Uh, now you've got a couple of years of, of perspective. So talk a little bit about how that went down and, and how you feel that it's gone now that you've had some time under your belt to kind of get used to it. Yeah, Um well, you know, and there's no, I, I didn't have any issues with DC at the time. Like I still, I love uh, the company and I loved all the people that were working there and I worked really well with them. And I, I was expressing some frustration to them and, and they knew, you know, they could, they could tell I was getting frustrated and, and that, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. I mean, that's always what it comes down to, you know, it's like, you're always trying to figure out what you're going to do next. And, you know, some of the plans they had, I just didn't really see myself in, you know, it wasn't a matter of, I didn't I like the plans or I wasn't getting along with anybody. It was like, I just didn't see myself in it. That was really the biggest mm-hmm. thing. And I originally was going to tell them that that was like a, something I was going to sit down with them and be like, Hey, listen, like, you know, I just don't see myself in this and like what you're planning to do. And, and we've been having a lot of conversations and, you know, I had a couple like mini phone calls with editors about it. And it wasn't really the shape I was, the things were going, I didn't really want to work on, you know? And, and then all of a sudden everything changed like overnight. Right. Like, I mean, it took a couple of months, I shouldn't say overnight, but things started shifting and changing shape. And they were like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And, and then you get around to you. So then I knew I was going to do Robin. I knew I was going to do the rogues. I knew I was going to do death strokes and I like remember everything in my head now, about what I was going to do. <laughs> um, and, you know, Scott was, essentially like you know on his way out like he was kind of going to take a step back and mm-hmm. and focus on creator owned and you know james was focused on batman but obviously had other things he was working on so i just kept talking to dc about different ideas that i had had and some of the stuff that was going to follow up on death metal and we started taking started just having these conversations about what was next what could we do next and I just pitched a bunch of different ideas and they just landed DC likes them. And, um, you know, I've always, I, I think ever since I started working at DC again, back in 2015, 
you know, Flash didn't come out since 2016, but I've always been talking to them about bigger picture stuff. And then, you know, once we were into Rebirth, it was like Rebirth plus the button plus, uh, well, Justice League versus Suicide Squad came first, right? Then it was mm-hmm. like the button and then metal. It got to this point where it was like every time I would end a crossover an event, I would already be talking to them about another thing, right? And it was just kind of this, this, um, rotation where i'm always in these conversations with them about big picture planning to where when we got here and it was kind of oh i can take this ball now and run with it right like now it's my turn to be able to run with this ball i was just in a really good place to do it and actually i think the fact that i kind of i think going back to the idea that i was thinking about leaving and it was like oh, okay well if i do leave i'm gonna leave after flash and flash is gonna wrap up in the fall like late summer early fall I hadn't committed to anything. And I think because I hadn't committed to anything, it allowed me to have room in the schedule to take on different work. But I was also really interested in not doing what was expected of me. Um, I was having this conversation with Marie Javens back then, way, way back when we were talking about this, that like leaving Flash, I couldn't do another book just like Flash. Mm-hmm. Right? I couldn't just do another superhero book just like Flash. Uh, I needed to do something different and unexpected. And that's really where like the conversations with rogues and Robin and Deathstrokes are coming from about things that you wouldn't, I guess, expect from me, you know, doing a Robin book, which is like a sidekick book. Um, and then doing Deathstroke, which is a villain book and same thing with Rogue, which Rogues is super different than anything else I've done at DC. You know, we were having all these conversations about that, about me just doing something um, different and unexpected. And then, then we started having these conversations. Well, what was the, this this bigger this bigger piece that we were kind of building and as we started developing infinite frontier i just you know i've never been one to shy away from having an opinion <laughs> uh so whenever we would have these meetings i'm always very opinionated during the meetings and it just sort of started leading my way into where i was able to kind of essentially show run what we were doing with infinite frontier and working with editorial i have a really good relationship with, with editorial i always i always have um and then we were just, you know, started developing Dark Crisis, like started talking about Dark Crisis Advent and Frontier. And I really kind of built out this idea of this big story I wanted to do and pitched them the, and they liked it. You know, it was really about, thankfully I had a story to tell at that time, because I think if I didn't have a story to tell, I would have still considered leaving. Um, but yeah, that was a weird time. It feels like a lifetime ago. Like that's the thing that's really <laughs> yeah. funny about trying to like, take a step back and go back to that memory. Cause I'm like, okay, that was two years ago, but it really feels like a lifetime ago. But yeah, I remember right about now I had planned on, on talking to DC about, you know, I just didn't really see myself at DC. You know, I, I didn't really see myself of what I, what, what they were talking about doing and all of it changed you know and and it's been definitely a roller coaster ride and i think some of the stuff that we're going to be doing with our crisis will really surprise people i think it's it's sort of funny to see people try to predict what we're going to do and they think they know we're doing but it's like magic like i always (laughs) i said this to somebody earlier today i always like the idea of like 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 having surprises in comics is so challenging now Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I'm always trying to find a way to surprise people, you know, to get them to kind of like, they think they know what's coming because it's on the cover or they think they know what's coming because of solicit or just speculating or leaks or rumors, or whatever. But then when you read the book, you get the true story. And, and part of that is because I want you to read the book. <laughs> like I want you to feel the need. I mean, I think that's something that Marvel movies and star Wars has done so well the last couple of years, they make it where you feel like if you don't, go see the movie immediately or you don't watch star Wars on Disney plus immediately, you're going to have a room for you and you're going to miss something. You're going to miss part of that experience. And it creates this feeling of like, Oh my God, I have to look now. And I think we've lost that in comics in some places. And so that's why with some of the stuff with, you know, we're doing in the books, what I've done in Robin, what I've done in Batman, what I've done in, uh, what we're going to be doing with death, of the justice league and dark crisis uh I'm, I'm trying to find ways and i'm not sure if it's going to work because it's interesting you know, we can get this whole thing about perceptions versus reality but I'm, I'm i'm trying to make it so that people can actually you know when you go to the comic shop on wednesday and you buy that book that you are surprised by stuff that happens in it you know you think you know what you're going into and you're not but 
yeah, that whole process of going from, you know, am I going to leave to now doing all the work I'm doing? I did not see that coming. I mean, when <laughs> you get around to like the fall of 2019, uh, you know, I, I was very much in the mindset of like, I think I'm going to leave. You know, yeah. but I wasn't telling anybody that, that to be fair, I didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until maybe two years ago that I started being like, maybe, you know, letting them know how I was feeling. But by that point, things were already changing. And right. Brandon and, you know, they were already starting to develop what was going to become uh, the rest of 2020, 2021, and now 2022. Like we were already having those conversations. Um and then I started just pitching them ideas and story and, and, uh, and here we are, you know, it really came down to me pitching stuff nonstop and then talking about trying something a little different, you know, like coming off of a book like flash where I did over hundred issues. I just didn't want to do the same thing over again, you know, and I did believe, you know, some of the stuff that DC was planning to do, you know, part of it was I just need to, it was like DC needed like a kick in the ass in some ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that, you know, it, it's interesting how I had this conversation with, with Dan and Dio years ago, and we were talking about flash. This is before flash war. And I remember talking to Dan about the flash book and same with Bob Harris a little bit. We were just talking about what was going to happen in the flash book. And that's what led to me pitching flash war. Cause I was like, the book has to be noisy, right? You got to get people to talk about this mm-hmm. book um and one of the things we've noticed and this is like you know a controversial opinion among some people is that when everything is happy and perfect quote unquote perfect people actually stop buying they stop paying attention to it. you're not talking about it and so you have to kind of like throw them some curveballs every once in a while and so that's where flashboard came from a lot of the stuff i was there started coming from and then and then when um so now, like, as we're getting into stuff, I, I'm always trying to find ways to do that. Like, how can we make these books or these characters noisy? Yeah, it's a great it's a great way to think about it because, I mean, it's human nature. You know, double-edged sword of, of social media, whatever. You get way more engagement when people are fired up as opposed to, you know, everybody's happy. But it, yeah, it is, I know. It's it true. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's rough. It's rough sometimes when I, I, I notice that, like, I don't really use social media anymore. Um, I have it blocked almost all day. Like, all my all my tweets are scheduled. So I kind of just, like, schedule it, and then I walk yeah, away. Walk away, yeah. Uh, and I feel bad because every once in a while I'll go back and I look, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many questions and comments here. I cannot even begin to follow up on this. Yeah. It would take me, like, days. Um, but uh, I do notice that... When we, I, don't know, I feel like the engagement is a good thing. Like I want you talking about it. You know, yeah. it's like I want you getting fired up and interested in what's coming, good or bad, because I feel like then you're at least going to look. You know, it's better that you do that than not look at all, which is a scary thing. And uh, that's why every once in a while you just gotta gotta be noisy, gotta yeah. throw some curveballs at people and and do things that might make them a little angry. But I don't know. I was uh, I was talking to Grant about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about my um and I, I think i talked about this with you and other people and, and i and you know when i started really reading dc comics it was when dc comics was in a state of change because it's like death of superman was coming nightfall was coming uh and then immediately after that you know you have how going crazy mm-hmm. kyle you know, uh, Jason had been dead for a few years and here's Tim Drake. And then after, you know, during Reign of Superman, you get Connor with Superboy and then you get, you know, Bart coming, uh, you know, less than a year, let's say a year, about a year. I think that's right. It's like, you know, about a year after Return of Barry Allen, Bart showed and up. Con- that's when Connor Hawk showed up. Yeah, Connor so. Hawk shows up, you know, after Zero Hour, because that was Zero Hour, right? So yep. it's like, you have all of these new things kind of coming around and it was disruptive. You know, it was a disruptive time and Artemis became Wonder Woman, like all of this kind of disruptive stuff that happened. And I remember really digging it. Like I remember as a kid being really into it. And it's like, I always joke with people when they tell me that Tim Drake is like their favorite Robin. Cause I'm always like, Oh man, like Jason Todd had to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that poor guy, man, had to die for their sins so they could have their Tim Drake, you know? And it's the same thing with Kyle. People are like, Oh, little Kyle. And I'm like, yo, how I had to go crazy. Central City had to die for you to get Kyle. And it's so, so fascinating to me. And so, 
yeah, I just like to I like to be disruptive every once in a while and see what happens. And uh, but again, it's some of it's just misdirection too. Um, but yeah, going back, dude, again, it's it's there's 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 been a lot of pitching, a lot of talking at DC about story and talking about things they were interested in doing, and then me finding again, like going back to that, finding my own way into it because before I wasn't sure if I had a place. Yeah. And then over the course of the few months after, and even then, it was like it took a minute. Like I would say it took until. I, I'm trying to think when I finally was like, okay, cool. I think I'm, I'm staying. I feel like it was when Infinite Frontier was getting really off the ground. Mm. Like once we were in the middle of the zero issue and it became very clear that I was sort of, you know, with, with some of the other events, we were doing consulting and a kind of show running, right? Like, you know, Scott James and I, we would work together on death metal and metal and we would work through all the one shots and all the minis and everything was connected to it. I was very much like hands-on through all that process. And so when we jumped from the end of death metal immediately into infinite frontier, it was very clear that like I was running a lot more of that than normal. And so once I started getting into that, I was like, okay, I think I'm staying here now. And then we renewed my contract. So that was a big piece of it. Like we had renewed my contract. Um, I have renewed my contract a few times. I can't even think of it now going into my sixth year of being exclusive. So we renewed it again. And then it was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm staying. This is what we're going to do. It was a big plan. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting going back to what you were saying about being disrupt that disruptive time um, and that double-edged sword of social media. Yeah. It gets people talking. There's engagement, but it is the reason social media, it does make it hard to keep secrets. And also you wonder, could they have done that dis- been that disruptive if there was you know social media because there does come with you know a level of vitriol or, or it's it's like it's always it seems like it's the vocal minority that will you know you don't hear from the people that you know are, are fine with it it's that well, to be super honest with you well it, it's only there if you look right the yep. line. it's only there yep. if you look you know and and at the end of the day i'm just trying to tell a story you know i i, I can easily shut all that stuff out yep. you know it's not it's not hard if you just don't look um but yeah i mean you know, one thing that I kind of miss was going to conventions. Like we're starting to go to conventions again this year. I, I've been to one kind of, and I've been to a signing and I still talk to stores and stuff, but I miss going to cons because I feel like you get a lot of, you get a more of a variety right. of feedback at conventions than you do online. You know, online can be so immediate and impulsive and, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, it can be very funny when you do look <laughs> over there and see kind of what's going on sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, I feel like you just got to tell your story and you can't worry about all that stuff because you don't know. I mean, this is the thing that happened when we announced Dark Crisis. Uh, we were showing off Dark Crisis art and how Jordan, who plays a major role in Dark Crisis, right? Like they're a major, major character throughout the story. Um, you know, they're in every issue and they, they're a big, big piece of story we're telling. And uh, when that cover came out, there were some people who were just like, oh, I love Hell Jordan. I'm so glad Hell Jordan is in this. And there were some people like, I hate Hell Jordan. Why is Hell Jordan in this? So which direction do you look? You know, so you can't, you can't. You have to kind of just go, all right, cool. I have a story to tell. And this is the story I'm telling. And you have to be able to tune that stuff out because it's all over the place. You know, it's yep. like, it's always funny when I feel like we don't want this. If I ever see that online. I'm like, who's the we? <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Who do you speak for in this situation? But yeah. Yeah, I'm I don't know if they would have. Um, I wonder how things would have been different if they had had social media back then. I mean, they still had. I mean, conventions and letters and that kind of stuff. It was probably wasn't as as impulsive and as immediate. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I mean, I worked at a comic store in the '90s and in the 2000s, and you know, I remember when people weren't happy about something, or if oh, I yeah. wasn't happy about something, you know, I'm. I'm very glad I did not have social media when I was in my early twenties and in high school. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, it was things you said in high school don't ruin your life. Well, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, there were books I didn't like when I was a kid and, and I would be vocal about them when I was working at the store, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad that I was, uh, I didn't have that social media outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it, what you said is important, right? Like as far as dark crisis, you got to tell the story you want to tell that that's always the goal. Like, you yeah. know, outside of whatever kind of stuff and, you know, social media, the other thing about it and, you know, you doing interviews, there's a certain aspects of fans that, that they ask questions. They want things to be spoiled. Man, I don't want anything to be spoiled. It's so much harder to keep a secret now. I love that you, so oh, yeah. I've heard you even say sometimes your solicits, you'll put misdirection. That's great because I live in the world of comics and the more I can be surprised, 
the better. Right. And I don't want to ask questions about continuity or when's this guy going to show up or when that, whatever. And that's fine. If so that's what some people want, but that's not, you know, the way I do my it interviews. It is not what I want either. Yeah. I would say it's fascinating when I get asked a lot of stuff that it just comes down to like, you got to read the book. Yeah, exactly. it, you know? like, don't you want to experience it and, and enjoy it? Well, but, that's why, you know, not to, we shouldn't dwell too much on the social media side of things, but that's the thing I noticed about social media. Social media is its own audience, right? It's its right. own audience, its own, own uh, cravings, mm-hmm. we'll say, right? And it's like, you know, they're chasing announcements and covers and solicits, but they're chasing certain things. That's why to them, because so much of that is in that bubble, uh, they they want those kinds of answers that way, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it, it feels sometimes like a different audience than what we normally deal with. And you can see with sales, you can see shows, and you can see when you talk to people like on the ground, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So when we talk about, the reason for dark crisis existing, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously the, the number one reason you want to tell a, you know, fucking awesome story, right? Yeah. Oh, that name crisis though, it does have this connotation as, you know, a, kind of a secondary, you know, purpose, if you will, like crisis on infinite earth was, you know, cleaning up 50 years of continuity, uh, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so two questions really, when did you know, that you are because obviously infinite crisis built into justice league or infinite frontier rather built into justice league incarnate is building mm-hmm. into dark crisis when did you know that you were building towards that i mean was it already at the end of of death metal uh and and would you say is there another kind of purpose to dark crisis and, and we'll talk about the whole continuity part of it after like sure. let's talk uh, about this first because i know the continuity stuff is another slippery slope sure uh i knew about it I knew we were leading to this the whole time. You know, if I go back and look at the stuff from before, uh, what we were building into Infinite Frontier, uh, we always knew. There's some things that have changed, obviously, like as you're building, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, that's not going to work. Or mm-hmm. there's changes come and go. Like it just happens in comics. Um, but I knew, I knew this is the direction we were heading in over a year ago. Yeah, I knew this is the direction we were heading into over a year ago. And why now? I feel like part of the why now came down to we were hitting this moment in time where DC, where there were all these new characters kind of coming around, all these new concepts, all these new pieces. And it had been a while since we had seen something from that. I think from that point of view, you know, I really wanted to just try something different. And yeah, Um, and you know, I don't want to get too much into it's funny, right? Like whenever we do a crisis, people always assume it's going to be about a reboot or a relaunch, right. or we're going to mess with time and space again. And and I didn't really want to do a crisis necessarily about that, you know? Like I didn't want to be about that. I wanted mm-hmm. it to be about the characters and the relationships those characters had and how we've been introducing kind of all of these new characters. And I, I feel like over, you know, since New 52, we'd kind of gotten rid, rid of all the stuff about like the generational history and mm-hmm. the sidekicks and the legacy pieces. It was more about putting a spotlight on those pieces again, because there hadn't, hadn't been right. Like mm-hmm. that was part of the conversation was like, we haven't really had a chance to showcase those pieces in so long. Let's put the spotlight there. And yes, there's going to be like cosmic shenanigans and there's going to be stuff involving the multiverse and, you know, it's it does become a big gigantic epic battle but then it also you'll notice you'll see when you read it it comes back around to be about the characters again and it's always about those characters and their relationships and how they're reacting to what's happening around them and because i've seen a crisis from batman and superman and woman's perspective i wanted to try to change perspectives and just see what it's like for different characters to deal with a crisis when they haven't dealt with one before um and there are characters who have dealt with a crisis because you have Hal and you have Wally and you have Nightwing. You know, like they all play major parts of this story, but because they have the experience they have, they also react to it differently. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a skepticism from all of them of, of what's going on with the Justice League too. And you have the new characters reacting a certain way. So it just felt like a cool time to do that, to shine a spotlight back on those things. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, a different event that I think people are ready for. I'm, I'm really curious to see what people are going to think of it once we really start going and once they really start seeing the pieces come together. Well, not having the Justice League there, not not having some of the 
biggest characters in DC who've always been the linchpin of any crisis, right? Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. We're going into this dark crisis on the heels of death of the Justice League. There is no justice. There's no longer, not only are the biggest characters gone, they've died. There's no Justice League. Yeah, leading no into, Justice League. Yeah, leading yeah into that's a major crisis. piece of this. There's no Justice League. And so what happens next? You know, and then how do you see those characters react to it? And then when the shit hits the fan, you know, what do they do next? When they're, mm-hmm. And a lot of them, they rely on the Justice League, mm-hmm. right? Like, and th- there's a scene in issue three where one of the characters is talking about this and they're kind of just like, well, you know, they basically, they kind of talk about this a little bit. And then one of the characters is just like, you need to stop waiting for mommy and daddy to come home and take care of you. <laughs> yes, You know, exactly. it's like, and that's because I think they lean into that. Like, well, Justice League is going to save us, you know? And now that isn't the case. And so now how, how do they deal with it now? And especially when all the villains, because a big part of the story is all the villains kind of are like, wait, the Justice League's gone? Well, shoot. Yeah. Party <laughs> let's, time. Uh, yeah, let's take advantage of it, you know? And so let's have some fun. So that's all. There's a lot of moving pieces in this story. But uh, yeah, No Justice League uh, plays a major, a major piece of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a challenge with, with DC, too, with so many moving pieces, you know, 80 mm-hmm. years of history. Uh, and I know one of the things that, that Jeff Johns wanted to do. And Scott's talked about this as well. Jeff Johns with Rebirth, Scott with, uh, with death metal talking about everything counts. Well, okay. You know, let's be realistic and logical about this. You, you can't really reconcile 80 years of stories and make everything fit in a timeline. Like it's just not possible, but you know what? That's okay. Don't miss the forest for the trees because otherwise it would be a full-time job. It would be rigid. Nobody would have room to create if, you literally had to say this happened on this day. This happened on this day. This happened on this day. Oh yeah, you you actually don't care about that being the day. You don't like. I mean, some people do, and I get it. You know, and it's fun for us to talk about, and, and it's fun for us to try to work it out. But you know, my favorite Batman stories are not about him sitting around trying to figure out how old he is. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like I don't really want to see that. I just want to read Long Halloween, and and you know. I can kind of guess later and be like, I think this is supposed to be year three. It's got to be somewhere in year two, right? Like, but that's for us to have fun. I don't need Batman to be like, by the way, all that stuff with Gordon that happened one year ago. (laughs) I don't need, I don't need that to enjoy that story. Um, What's also funny about the continuity thing. I don't know when we all got so, when did we all get so picky about the continuity thing? Because, you know, I was, I was just thinking about this uh, today. It came out today and I'm like, you know, Joker War, and death metal came out at the same time <laughs> and everyone there wasn't as much of a of a problem like when death of superman happened death of superman is so fascinating i i, I think I've, I've said this a few times to people right like death of superman he dies in 75 funeral for a friend is 77 and 78 and then he is um he's gone for seven he's funeral for a friend is 77 and 78 and then the stuff with the Rand Superman is only 79 and no, it's 78. I'm sorry. So it's 75 Death of Superman, 76, 77 is funeral for a friend. 78 and 79 and 80 are really the only Reign of Superman issues. And then 81, he is fully back by 81. He's on right? the cover. He is in costume in 81. Because on 80, it's a shot of his face. Yep. So you're close, right? But isn't that, it's so fascinating that, like, by the time you get just a few months in, it's automatically, like, Superman is back. And so it wasn't even a full year. It was just a few months. Like, because there's a three-month gap between Funeral for a Friend and Rain and Superman. So that means that he was really only gone from the books for seven months. And barely that. And they don't really reflect it in Batman. Like, Nightfall was going on. They didn't have an issue where he talked about Superman dying. They didn't show him reacting to Superman dying until Justice League of America Zero, written by Brad Meltzer, like 20 years later, you know? And I, I'm doing all this research. I went back and I was like, okay, I'm going to look at what was going on at DC during Nightfall and what was going on during um, Death of Superman. And it is reflected in some books, but it isn't as hardcore, like, I think we've kind of gotten used to in some ways where it's like the entire line is reflecting this one thing. You even go back and look as far as infinite uh, crisis and you look at what was happening in Batman during infinite crisis. It like touches on it a little bit, but not as hardcore as I think people want it to be sometimes. So it's really fascinating how now every once in a while I'll see some like an article or something like that. And people are just like going nuts. Like why isn't everything every week taking place at the exact same time, the exact same way? And it's uh it's really interesting. And I think it actually takes away from the story. You know, it is impossible. You know, 
I've had comics, like I'll give you an example. So Deathstroke Inc. Issues, I want to say issue three, four, five, and six all take place in a few hours, Mm. just a few hours, Mm -hmm. but it's like months in our time. So what does that mean for other books that are moving at different paces? Like it's impossible to make it so that everything lines up. You just, you really just got to make sure you tell the best story possible. I wonder in some ways, you know, talking about this of DC, what isn't a victim of their own success sometimes, because when we talk about the the crisis, right? Like it's so interesting to me because I always compare the original crisis to um, Marvel's uh, superhero secret wars, which took place. They both took place over 12 issues. Uh, Crisis actually, you know, crossed over with DC books for a year, but uh, Secret Wars, the heroes leave at the end of one issue and they're back at the beginning of the other. They did it completely, completely different, but that really did make Crisis on Infinite Earths feel like it was, you know, it touched every book and Red Skies here, Red Skies there, what have you. And then the next big crisis was Infinite Crisis. And, and even then, and they had, you know, coming out of that, the weekly 52, where again, that was a weekly book. It makes it feel like everything is tying in and uh, countdown to final crisis again, weekly book. And so in that way, it felt like it was big. And and I think that maybe at that point was where DC fans sort of got used to, oh, it's this fine tuned continuity. But when you look at it now, I mean, even with the stuff you're doing in, that you did in Infinite Frontier and then Justice League Incarnate leading into, we know Dark Crisis is going to touch the whole, you know, the whole of the DCU. Yeah. But right now it feels a little siloed because everybody else is still telling their own stories. Batman's, you know, out on their own, Flash is out on their own, whatnot. Well, that's the same thing we were talking about with Death Metal, right? Like, where was Death Metal set up other than right. just the Justice League title? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it didn't really connect to anything else. It wasn't connecting to what Bendis was doing in Superman. It wasn't connecting to what, uh, even what James was doing in Batman. You know, it was, it kind of wasn't its own thing for a while. And I think that's almost the way to do it now because it's so hard. You know, like, people talk about event fatigue. I feel like this is the way to do it now because otherwise every book connecting, you would 100% get sick of it. If you think you're sick of it now, can you imagine if the entire line was telling the same story for a year, you would go nuts. I think now having these like touchstones and these like activation points where things reflect and things kind of connect is sort of the way to go. But even like, I remember when infinite, um, like when infinite crisis ended, all the books jumped ahead one year, right? right? Like that was the piece that connected it. But that allowed 52 to operate on its own because you were able to just say, oh, it all takes place here. And even then, the ending gets a little muddy, right? Like, there's things that get kind of muddy. And same thing, I mean, you don't have to read Countdown to Final Crisis at all. You can just read Final Crisis number one and move on, you know? Uh, So it's really interesting how we kind of look back at these things in this, like, totality of the experience versus how it was actually happening when it was rolling out. And so now when all these things are going on with Dark Crisis, I always feel like, and I've said this before on other podcasts, I always feel like I'm giving you puzzle pieces, but you don't know what the whole puzzle is going to look like yet. And not only am I giving you puzzle pieces, but there are other books that are giving you puzzle pieces and they're giving you little bits of, of things here and there that'll eventually all connect. It's just going to take some time. And are you going to have the same thing where somebody you know, is going to be talking on a podcast 20 years from now, looking back at this and being like, oh yeah, really, I was all connected. It just took us <laughs> a minute to see it. Like, there's all kinds of little things. I'm always curious about this because I drop clues in like everything I'm working on of like what's coming, you know, there's clues in Robin, there's clues in Deathstroke, clues in Batman, there's all kinds of little clues to what's coming and what's going on. And I'm always curious if people are going to pick on them. And sometimes they're not as overt as a splash page of the character, sometimes it's something in the background or it could be something no, that's really sometimes subtle. it's sometimes it's a Lazarus resin that we hear about in Robin, that we hear about in Deathstroke, that we hear about in Task Force Z, which your buddy Matthew Rosenberg's writing. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. And that'll be important later too. You yeah. know, it's like all these little pieces of things. It's it's a weird time right now because I do feel like sometimes we have to it's weird. It's like if you're reading the books. Like, this is how I felt when I was reading Infinite Frontier and we were leading into Infinite Frontier. It really felt like I had to read everything because that was the only way I was going to get the big picture. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I needed someone to stand on a table and go, look, look, no, I mean, look at this, look at this. But I also remember back then, I remember when, remember when they were getting Infinite Crisis hadn't come out yet, but OMAC project was coming out and they were always you know, you read OMEC Project, you could read all the all the minis over here. 
But then they were doing this four-issue crossover between Superman and Wonder Woman. And I remember going to San Diego Comic-Con and Greg Rucka being at the panel and being like, you absolutely have to read these four issues. You absolutely have to read them. They're crucial. They're important. You know, pound his hand on the panel and Dan and Jeff, everybody was like, you have to read this crossover. You have to read this crossover, right? And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but um, that crossover was crazy under order because somehow nobody knew it was a crossover. Nobody knew it was connected. I remember being like, because I was working at the store at the time and I was actually in charge of ordering. And that's how I know this because um, I, being a person who always pays attention is kind of obsessed with all this stuff. And I am obsessed with continuity. And I was obsessed with Infinite Crisis, like hardcore obsessed with it when it was coming out. Because uh, again, I was still working at a store. And I would, I remember hearing that and being like, we're going to up our orders on those four issues. And then the issue where Wonder Woman kills Max Lord, we had enough of them, you know? And I remember when that issue came out, multiple stores in the area sold out within minutes, right? They were mm-hmm. sold out on day one. And we had so many left um, that when DC sold out and immediately went to a second printing, I saw copies and I was selling them to stores for cover so they could have them on their shelves and they could mark them up. And I was slammed to be like, I was like, oh, you can't buy one. You got to buy 10 from me, you know, because I had so many mm-hmm. and so many stores were just like coming in being like, how did you know? How did you know? And I was like, dude, it's, they told us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was in the book. So I remember that as part of it. But that's the thing. It's kind of funny now is that like, you can still do that. You can still sit there. And I could, I could tell people for the last year, Infinite Frontier and Just League Incarnate are important books. And it's almost like, it is kind of like, I don't know how you crack through that. Like how much more can you do to be like, this stuff's important. It's all connected. And then people are like, oh, how does it feel connected? And you're like, just get, just wait, just yeah. wait gonna all yeah. you're gonna start seeing how this comes together but uh yeah the continuity side was really fascinating to me because i'm obsessed with continuity and i make sure my stuff is connected and they reflect each other and then when i was on flash i always made sure that flash was reflective of what was going on in the dcu as a whole uh it was a challenge at times to do that because there's a lot going on um it took a lot of work to do that but i think with what we're doing now is I make sure things are reflective. I, I talk to other creators and I talk to like other writers and I talk to editorial, but there's only so much you can do. But at the same time, I don't, I didn't want to derail anyone else's plans, right? Like I want you to be able to do your book your way and tell your story when it comes time to line up, when it comes time to connect what we're doing, like that time will come but I don't want it to feel like, oh, the entire line is taken over by this thing and every book that everyone's reading is now obsessed with this, now connected. I wanted it to be a bit more focused, which again, you look at Death Metal, like Death Metal was focused. You even look at like what Marvel does now. Marvel does this thing where it's like, here's the event and then here's minis around the event. It doesn't completely derail these books. So it's always kind of fascinating me when I see people kind of come to me with like the history of comics and I'm like, wait, 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 like, let's actually look at it for a minute and you start seeing that like, no, not every book has been has been taken over. I mean, look at Christ on Earth, like you were saying, you know, uh, that Red Sky stuff, I mean, you know, that came later. Yeah. I was on the plan. It was the people started once, once Christ on Earth really started rolling. Cause in the beginning people were like, nah, I don't want a piece of that. Once it started going, people were like, oh no, 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 I want to connect now. And they were like, yeah. well, how can we connect really easy? I want the so trade the dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the sales so, yep. yeah. It's so fascinating. So, uh, it is interesting to kind of have people come at me now about some of that stuff. And I'm always like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that makes it easier to cross over, and this kind of leads into your shadow war that you have going on. It's when you're writing oh, both yeah. the books, right? So if you're writing Desperate, oh, yeah. you're what writing Robin. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You were, and you were writing Batman, but it was always planned that you were just going to do that one arc before Chip took over. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. When we could, we'd always knew those issues were going to connect to shadow war anyway, like mm-hmm. those issues of Batman. And so, you know, we had all these different plans for Batman and Batman Inc. And so it made sense when James was stepping off for me to come in for these because we were going to do the Shadow War stuff anyway. So it was like, mm-hmm. I'll do this. That gives Chip and Jorge a window to get ahead. Right. And like their stuff is great. It's terrific. And then this allowed me to use these issues to help set up some stuff for Shadow War, but then set up some other things. And and I said this online, like I'm done with the Batman book. And I'm done with this particular Batman story, but I'm not done doing Batman stories. Uh, there's more stuff coming, but I can't really get too much into that. It's too, too many spoilers and too many surprises. It'll take some time to get there, but you'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was plenty of seeds that you left that you could go back. Uh, we, oh, for we, sure. We, well, we, sometimes yeah. it'll get picked up. I mean, you know, I'm always putting stuff on the table, but I usually put stuff on the table knowing knowing it's going to get picked up already. There's only a few things that I put that I'm like, I'll pick that up someday. Yeah. There's, for the most part, whenever I'm putting things in, because I plan things out so far in advance that it's like I'm planning out so far in advance, I'm able to, to drop stuff in knowing, like, I wonder if everyone's going to pick this up. If I put this here... Is anyone going to figure this out ahead of time? And, and uh, it's fascinating to see people sometimes catch it, sometimes they don't. Yeah, well, talk to us a little bit about Shadow War. I mean, I, I find it fascinating because there's so many, in my mind, there's so many similarities to uh, between Slade and Damien. You know, they sort mm-hmm. of live in a gray world, although Slade, uh, if you, if listeners, if you've been reading Deathstroke Incorporated, you realize that Slade has kind of put the idea of maybe being a hero behind him and says, you know what, I'm going to be a villain. And if I'm going to be a villain... If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. I'll be the king of the villains. So Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, he's always sort of walked this line, right? Like he's always tried to, or I should say walk the fence. You know, he's always wanted to be like, well, I'm not really a villain. I'm not really a hero. He's always himself and he's always out for himself. And it's always about the money and the contract, right? It's always the job. And that's his priority is, but at the end of the day, he always chooses himself. You know, he doesn't choose good or bad. He just chooses Slade Wilson. And as I started working on this book, I started realizing, like, you know, what if, essentially, what if Slade Wilson was going to have a a midlife crisis? And then what (laughs) if he realizes that, oh, no, I am a bad person. Like, he actually has a moment of self-reflection and is like, oh, no, I am am kind of a piece of shit. So uh, if I'm going to be a bad person, if I'm going to pick a side, I'm going to pick this side, but then I'm going to rule that side. Like, if I'm Mm -hmm. I'm finally going to make the decision of which side I'm going to be on, that I'm going to be the best version on that side. I'll be the big dog in the yard on that side. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where that show ink takes. And that's where some of the stuff that's going on, but you know, there's a lot of twists and turns coming in that space as well. And, but that's really what led into shadow war. Um, where those ideas. That's fascinating. Cause again, I, I wonder if Damien, and again, I'm not asking, I don't want any spoilers, but I wonder sure. if Damien when seeing that will be like, let me take a pause and make sure I'm making the right decisions because, you know, they're, but they're for the grace of God, go I, you know? Well, I think there's a whole thing with him and Rachel Ghoul or, you know, Rachel Ghoul is going through these changes and he's starting to get um, also self-reflect a bit. And I think Rach has seen that he has done things a certain way for thousands of years and it hasn't worked. That hasn't gotten anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. Robin, we show him, he's living on a beach, you know, he's lost everything. He, he lost again. Yeah, And he's like, I got to do something different this time. And it's made him kind of think about a lot of stuff. And we explore this in Shadow War, where he sort of realizes that he wants to change and he wants to try something different and, and kind of go back to who he was before. Because remember, before the Lazarus Pits, you know, he was a, a loving husband, a son. He was a physician and he wanted to help people. And when his wife was murdered and he you know, essentially went into the Lazarus pits and became the racial goal we have, like this person that's fueled by anger and skepticism of people and distrust of people and thinking like, well, if anyone's going to save the world, it's going to be me, but we're going to do it my way. I think over the years, he's kind of gone back to who he was before, right? Like he, this is kind of what we were trying to establish in Robin is that he's going back to that person and so he believes maybe he can change. Right. But he also believes that for him to change, he has to pay for that past. Mm-hmm. And this is really where Damien and him have in common is that like Damien has this past is, and, and how people think of him. If you take Rachel and Damien, you have two people who have quote unquote dark histories and they want to be something better. They, they want to change and be better. Right. Uh, so when Damien is watching Rach do this, he has sympathy for him. He understands he went through this too right he is always like everyone's always telling Damien who he is and he's always trying to like defy that expectation and he's always trying to show that he's not this just just an assassin just an assassin that's all he is right he's trying to show he's not that thing so he watches Raish also trying to change who he is and trying to be better and then he sees this is spoilers but this is spoilers that are out there in the world you know he sees that Rachel gets assassinated for trying to be better and it makes Damien paused for a moment to be like somebody else was trying to pay for their past and be better and they were killed for it. What happens to me mm-hmm. when I'm trying to be better? And so we get to explore all that stuff and how it means and how even after that, even after Raish 
is dead and he's he you know rage talks about trying to change me better and then he's killed a part of that story is no one believes him like no one nobody believes rachel Gould was going to try to be better and so it makes damien think does nobody believe me like does my father not believe me do my mother not believe me you know does the rest of the bat family not believe and so he gets to play around with a lot of that stuff with him of like you know him questioning it but more or less thinking does everyone not believe in him and not trust him because it's always been a problem is people not trusting him and that plays a big role in Shadow Wars, him questioning those things, but also kind of presenting it to Batman. Be like, do you not think I can change? Do you not think that I can, uh, do, you not, do you not trust me? Those are all pieces of the story with him and Batman. Yeah, and I feel like the emotional stakes will be high because to your point, it's, it's not just he looks at, an, at somebody, you know, another person that was trying to pay for past mistakes. This was his grandfather and the people he's asking, you know, it's, his mother's there too. She's an Al Ghul. His father's wrapped up in it because his father's Batman. And yeah, so yeah. The, the emotional stakes are, are never been higher. Yeah. And think about this is that like, I mean, he lost Alfred not that long ago. You know, yeah. it hasn't been, I guess it's been two years, two and a half years since he lost Alfred. So that's two like grandfather figures that he has lost. And like how much that impact him. And, and that, that, again, like the emotional stuff is very important and the stuff with him and Batman and stuff with him and his mother. And then Talia, who's like, well, I'm just going to get revenge now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if that's true. She's never been a big fan of Slade regardless. To begin with. I know. Yeah. And that plays, a, that plays an important part of the story where she's just like, oh, no, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put him down this time. And if, if anyone who is in his family, like she bases attitude of like, Oh, so it's funny, like Deathstroke is saying to himself, well, I'm going to be a villain, I'm going to be the best villain, so I'm going to go that path. And then Talia's looking at it being like, oh, it's time to wipe this person from the face of you. <laughs> right. right? Like yeah. him and everyone associated with him, let's just erase them. And and that causes everyone to come into conflict because it's like the League of Shadows versus the uh, Secret Society of Supervillains with Deathstroke. And then you have Batman and Robin and a bunch of heroes. They get kind of thrown in the middle. You have Ravager gets thrown in and respawn. Like all these characters that have different priorities all kind of in the mix of this um, this chaos that's all formed because of Deathstroke killing Rachel Rule. But again, like I've, I've said before, um, you know, some of the information we put out there is wrong on purpose. And there's definitely some twists that are coming. I'm curious if uh, what people are going to think once you start getting there. It'll be really interesting to see because it's going to be some surprises in the story that I think people are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> so is, would you say Shadow War, is it in terms of the scope of the crossover, is it as big as Dark Crisis or is, would you say? No, no, it's much more grounded. Uh, you know, the way I see it is that like Infinite Frontier and Justice League Incarnate, they were building the multiversal danger, right? They were building the attack from above. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Robin, Batman, Deathstroke, and then the Shadow War crossover, that was building the attack from below. Right. That was the grounded attack. And that's really how they're connected. But this one is just a crossover between the three issues. And then there are three books um, for just two months. You know, it's only a two month crossover. It's relatively short. Um, and we only have the one uh, tie in issue. It's the Shadow War Zone issue. It's like an anthology. You know, we've done the War Zones before. There, there's been a few of them now. Um, it is much uh, smaller in scope. You know, it's, it's mostly a lot of uh, fights on rooftops, and there's a lot of ninjas. <laughs> there's a lot of ninjas, a lot of fight scenes. It's a bit more grounded uh, emotionally. And then you get to uh, Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis is a much bigger story, much bigger scope. And there's a lot more stuff going on with it. Um, and the stakes are much, much larger. Like I think Shadow War has his own kind of stakes and there's a lot more emotional stakes. Whereas in Dark Crisis, it gets to be a much bigger, a much bigger situation. But they definitely like, you know, it's it's interesting because it's like Infinite Frontier led in the Justly Incarnate. Justly Incarnate leads right into Justice League 75 and then Justice League 75 you can pick up and then you can it kind of recaps everything from that mm -hmm. side of it you now uh and then you can read the free comic book day special or you can read the road two before you get to uh, dark crisis number one but then shadow war which carries through all the batman deathstroke and robin stuff you can get all the way to shadow war omega and then shadow war omega which is the end of that story it comes out like a few weeks, I think it might even come out a week before Dark Crisis, and it mm. immediately continues in a Dark Crisis as well. Gotcha. So they're so, kind of like two separate roads that are converging in Dark Crisis. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've read the stuff I've been working on at DC for the last year, you'll start to see, like, once we get to Dark Christ number one, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that all stuff was leading to this, this whole thing. Right. Everything we've been doing, again, from attack from above, attack from below. And they just have a bunch of characters kind of caught in the middle. And they're just like, holy crap, what do we do now? This is bad. Yeah, this is very wait. bad. Can't, can't wait. Uh, and then I know you've been working pretty far ahead, so are you actually yeah. already working on stuff that's, that's coming out on the other side uh, from the yeah. consequences yeah. of the crisis? Yeah, so I, I know what I'm doing on the other side. I mean, it's really fascinating right now. Because again, I, I, I plan stuff out really far in advance. And so I already know what I'm working on. I'm already working on 2023 stuff. Like I already, I'm already starting to work on the stuff that's at the on the other side of Dark Crisis. And it's really, really exciting. I can't even say a single word about it because I'm worried <laughs> I'll accidentally blow it and say the wrong thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've already started working on the stuff on the other side and, uh, it's really, really exciting. It's really cool stuff. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what people think of dark crisis. Cause I think again, like I, it's interesting to see every once in a while people say, well, here's what dark crisis is. And I'm like, oh man, you guys are for a shock. <laughs> it's not about that at all. Um, so we'll see once we start going and then we'll, the stuff I'm working on afterwards, it spins out of it and the stuff that the ramifications of it, I've already started working on. And uh, it's really, really exciting. Now, do, when you work that far ahead, do you have to, I mean, do you do it in pencil, right? I mean, you, you got to leave room to oh, sure. change. So you got to leave yourself out and whatnot. Yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely use a lot of, I have a lot of whiteboards in my office and they're all uh, equally erasable <laughs> in case I have to. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the things that we're doing now, they're, they're just happening the way that we intended for them to happen. You know, like uh, Shadow War, uh, I turned in the outline for Shadow War, I think two years ago, like almost two years ago. Wow. It just it's rolling out exactly the same. Like it hasn't changed. I think there's a couple little tiny things here and there. Uh, you know, there's a couple things of characters that have kind of changed a tad bit, <clears throat> but not really, not not any significant way. Um, and even with Infinite Frontier, there were a couple little changes. You know, sometimes things do change up, and you know, you want to go where the story takes you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be so. You know, I think one of the worst examples of this is like the TV show How I Met Your Mother, where they knew from the beginning what the ending was going to be. And I think mm-hmm. at some point they should have veered away. Right. They should have been like, this is not the way the story should go. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have changed it. But yeah, so I, I always let me, the story take me where it's got to go and just work with editorial and try to reflect what, again, try to reflect what everyone's doing and, you know, talk about what we're all working on and see how we can build something really cool. Like I talked to Tom Taylor um, fairly frequently and I talked to a bunch of other creators fairly frequently. And so, you know, we all share ideas with each other and every once in a while, somebody will be like, well, I'm thinking about doing this. And I'm like, Oh man, that's awesome. Cause then that would lead to this, this and this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. You know, and but it's changed, but um, I try to get, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I guess when it comes to the planning at that level, uh, I try to keep it at that level. You know, right. when it comes to that, I try to keep it up high and then and then look it down low. Because every once in a while, you might be in the middle of a script and be like, you know what? I think this is actually the better decision to go. And then you just talk to people about it and see if you're making the right call. But that's why I try to take a, I try when I'm doing that level of planning, I try to keep a really high up view looking down on it. I don't get as, as you know, boiled down to every little nitty gritty thing, you know? Yeah. But sometimes when you're working on a project that's not connected, and, and this is what Black Label is great about, you yeah. don't have to worry about that, and you can drill down. And uh, and specifically, I'm thinking yeah. about your, your Rogues project that you have coming out from yeah. Black Label. I'm really excited about because you wrote that in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it a while ago. Um, it's crazy to think it's coming out soon. It's super <laughs> surreal, like, because I wrote it so long ago. So every once in a while, like, I'll be looking at it, and I'm like, oh, man, I wrote this. This is I, I wrote it in the fall of 2020. So it, it's not been, I mean, it's, it's been a year and a half since I wrote issue one. Um, you know, I, I don't remember when the artist started working on it, to be honest, like it's been a while. Um, but yeah, that book is definitely very freeing to be like, I'm just going to focus on this piece. You know, I'm, I have four issues. They're 48 pages each. I have an idea for beginning, middle and end. And that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, focus on those pieces and not worry about everything else, you know, and just focus on just these, the, this group of characters, uh, not be as concerned with so much of continuity, you know, um, 
but to look at the history of those characters and who those characters are and then just to drop them in something different you know because it takes place 10 years after they've disbanded so having that 10-year time jump it allowed me to take that history and then move it in a, in a way that allowed me to just tell you know just tell a cool story with those characters like that was the priority it wasn't about all this other stuff and then again it was about doing something very different from what i'd done before like if you read my flash stuff i think this will be a, a shocking transition <laughs> between the two books you know i i feel like this book you could read my flash run and then read this and be like oh that kind of works in continuity in a weird way but then it's just also it's just its own its own thing uh when i was working on it, it was funny talking to the editors because every once in a while i would get this phone call and they'd be like why are you doing this here and i'd be like well actually because this issue of the flash this is what happened and i started breaking it down they're like you don't have to worry about that so i'm like i can't let it go i let it go i'm still gonna use it <laughs> things like that you know i uh every once in a while it was it was tough to let go of it but i was able to say okay the story's starting here and i'm not gonna worry about anything else this is this is the story we're telling and again you know i had a beginning middle and end and it's really rare that you can have an actual ending for your characters right like working on flash you know i was able to give some resolution to some stuff with barry emotionally but it's not like it's the last barry story you know mm -hmm. it it we immediately start jumping into another book like somebody took over and now it's wally so it's kind of weird because i feel like my barry story is kind of was kind of the end for a minute for him uh there was the one arc after me but um it's hard to give a lot of the dc characters a real ending so with rogues i was very much in my mind of like how do i give this story an actual ending is there freedom to give it an actual ending and that was basically what black label gave me it gave me that freedom yeah to be clear everybody this is a story about the rogues like it's not a flash story flash doesn't show up this is this is yeah josh talking about the rogues a high story I can't wait. I'm, I'm super. Yeah, sure. it's a lot of fun. It's very much crime noir stories, like starring those characters. That's something very different. But yeah, it takes place 10 years in the future. And it's Snart, you know, it's Leonard trying to get the crew back together for just one last heist. And they're going to go rip off. Uh, they're going to go steal from Gorilla Grodd. That's their plan. They're going to go steal gold from Gorilla Grodd. And then you'll start to see how that uh, that plan is not easy. And it's a hard time for them, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, not not everybody's even uh, around anymore. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Have you read it? Have you read issue one? No, uh, oh, I haven't. Okay. In my, I have it. I have the press preview, but I haven't. I have. Oh yeah, you should either. check it out. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of endings, uh, yeah. we'll 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 end on this. You recently had your long running creator owned uh, at Image Birthright, and yeah, um, and you know, talking about being able to end a story. Um, yeah. And I think when I met you, actually, it was right when that was first. Starting. starting yeah That's so it's, ago, feels, yeah. yeah it feels kind of strange so uh how do you feel looking back on that as a uh, creator known and uh, i know you're super busy but mm -hmm. any creator known in the future next year or two? oh yeah i have <laughs> i have like i mean i feel like it's not that much of a secret to say this out loud but i've been building creator own books this whole time i have like a mountain of them that just haven't been released yet so i have like a lot of stuff i'm working on uh, i'm really excited about it a lot of like you know, dream projects. And like Andre and I are working on something and, and the artist on Birthright. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of creator owned. <laughs> I'll never let go of that part of myself. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's been kind of funny because like, I, I was talking about this with another publisher and, and I was like, oh, I guess it's been a bit since I started like the new creator owned book being released, but I've been working on stuff this whole time because we did Nailbiter Returns. But that means I haven't had like a straight up, uh, there was the Vertigo books, but I haven't had like a, a very much, like a big creator own book in a while. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Cause my brain has been working on them this whole time. <laughs> right. You know, it's I like, like I never left. I never left it. Uh, don't get me wrong, the DC stuff definitely like takes over your life sometimes. Uh, working on big two stuff, working on events particularly, it takes up a lot of your time. Um, cause you're working on whole universes, right? Mm -hmm. Especially at the level that I'm working, it's like all universe stuff and, and, it's a lot, but no, I'm, I'm working on a lot of creator own stuff with birthright ending. Very surreal, very surreal. It's, it's weird. I felt the same way with flash, you know, where it's like you start this project and in my mind, it feels like it was like yesterday and now I'm on the other side of it. And now I'm like really on the other side of birthright mm -hmm. been almost a year, I think since we ended it. Uh, yeah, it's been probably almost a year. Um, but I remember, you know, pitching that at WonderCon back in 2000, I think it was 13. 
like just walking around with Sean Mackowitz, he's the editor in chief of um, of Skybound. Mm-hmm. At the time, I think he was just, I think his role was just editor at the time. But um, we were just walking around, and he was like, "What are some ideas you have?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm working on this thing. I'm not ready to pitch it yet, though." And he was like, "What's it about?" And and I think it was a different pitching experience because I was like talking to my friend. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like hardcore pitching. Like, here's my my one liner. Here's all this stuff. I was like, "Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what it means to me. And here's my thoughts on it." Yeah, it wasn't you and Dan in an elevator. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't an elevator. That was the back room. The, oh, back room, that's right. San Diego, whatever. Yeah. It was a little closet. It was a little closet. closet. Yeah, that's right. No, I uh, I was just talking to my friend and I pitched him this idea. And then like a week later, he was like, you want to do that? It's skybound. And I was like, yeah, and I have this whole plan. And, you know, I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, I want to, I have this story and here's the story. And the story is this big and it's this many pieces to get to this part. And here's all the crazy stuff I want to do. And they were down for it. And I remember, uh, and I was talking about this with Macquiz, where we were like, oh, issue, I think it's issue 42. Is it 42? It might be 44. Uh, I think it's 44. Yeah, it's 44. We were going to have an issue that was all splash pages. Mm. And we knew that like way far in advance. Like Andre and I had this whole talk about it. So when we got that issue, it was so weird. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe we finally got to this. And then when we got to the ending and, you know, I remember knowing exactly what the ending was from the beginning. And there's some things that change uh, as I got there, but I think thematically it never changed from what I wanted it to be. Uh, there are certain bits and pieces of the ending that that changed over the course of it. But uh, yeah, I was super thrilled at the end and now I have the 10 trades there and it's it's... I look back at it. I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy I did it. Um, but at the same time, and this is how I always feel with some projects. Like some, I think people would ask me this when Flash is ending too. They were like, how does it feel? You know, and, or even when I was working on Batman, you get these questions like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't have time to think about it because I just got to get back to work. <laughs> yeah, I got so much going on all the time. I mean, yeah, there was in the May, in the May catalog for DC, I had eight books in it. And that's when I was like, oh guys, I think I have a problem. <laughs> On top of all the creative stuff I'm working on, just like there's so many projects, there's like other stuff that's going on that I'm working on. And it's just like, I was like, okay, I got to slow down someplace. And so that was one of the priorities this year was to try to find places to, to slow down a little bit and, and, and uh, take a breath. So uh, yeah, like the stuff I'm working on for the future, it's going to take a minute to get there, but I'm able to kind of take my time in a couple of places and take a deep breath this year, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Well, hopefully that means you can get out to a, a convention or two. Any, any shows you for sure are going to be able to hit up this year. Yeah. I know for sure. I'm going to go to San Diego. I'm going to go to Mexicon. Uh, there's a couple other ones we're talking about that I don't know, like a hundred percent yet. Um, but I'll probably go to a lot of fan expos and then San Diego and New York for sure. Yeah. But Megacon will be the first big one that I go to. I'm excited. It's the first time I get to see a lot of my friends in a long time. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to WonderCon here, April first through the third. So yeah. I'm, oh yeah, it's pretty it's pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah, I thought about going to that one, but then I just decided no, MegaCon will be the first one. Part of it was just my deadlines are are screwed. Yeah. Like I'm so slammed. Yeah, you know, it's, there's so much going on all the time. It's not just my books. I'm reading everyone else's stuff mm-hmm. too. Like and scripts are coming in. I got to read and get notes on and it's it's a lot of stuff. I don't envy my editors who have to do this every day. <laughs> like I have to read like three scripts today, and I was like. I told one of the editors, I was like, I haven't had to read it yet. I'm sorry. I'll try to read it today. I'll get the notes back tonight. Like, I'll let them know. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. But yeah, man, that's all. There's a lot going on. I got a lot going on. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping people read um, Death of the Justice League. It's coming up. They read Shadow War and Rogues. And then you see what we're, we've been building this whole time with Dark Crisis. And again, I hope people are surprised, you know, and like actually just read the books read the books that's the thing i can push the most is actually read the books and you'll see what's coming don't don't read all this other stuff read the books. yep read the books exactly uh we know you all want spoilers sometimes but yeah the best way to find out what's going on is to read read, read the, books, the books. So. yeah 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 uh, right, and i know you make dinner yeah and i know you said <laughs> that uh you're not you're not necessarily don't have time necessarily to be active on yeah. social media but you do have your um your Twitter account where you put up yep. all the information when books are dropping and whatnot. So yeah. um, it's at Williamson underscore Joshua. I'll put the link in uh, the show notes, everybody. Yeah, it's it's uh, Williamson underscore Josh. Actually. Josh, Josh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out. That's where I post all the information and every once in a while I do drop in there and answer questions every once in a while, but for the most part, that's the best place to find everything that I'm working on and get all the information. 
Yep. And again, everybody, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can go click there if you're having trouble finding. So uh, thanks for the time. I know you're super busy, so we really yeah. appreciate it. It's great to catch up. And yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you at a show some somewhere down the line. Honestly, awesome. Cool. I'll catch you later. Yep. And to all you listeners, I want to thank you for listening as always. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.